Today we begin a new series on the book of Mark. For the next 14 weeks, from now until Easter Sunday, we're going to be reading and studying and learning together from the book of Mark. Learning about who Jesus is, about the way of the cross, and about the kingdom of God. About this servant king who called on us to be a kingdom of servants. And so as we read the book of Mark, one of the things we're going to notice is the differences in Mark from the other Gospels. So we have four Gospels, four stories of Jesus found in our Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one has a different perspective. Each one has a different style. Mark is a fast-paced, fast-moving book, moves from scene to scene to scene very quickly. In fact, one of Mark's favorite words is the word immediately. Another unique feature of the book of Mark is that it seems almost designed to be read out loud, almost like a performance. Now, certainly all of the books of the Bible, all the literature was part of an oral culture, part of a, a culture in which many people didn't read, and so things were listened to or listened and, and heard. But Mark in particular seems designed to be read out loud, to be listened to. It, it uses time, it has times where it repeats itself. It says something, and then it says it again in a slightly different way, and a way for someone listening to kind of make sure they're keeping up with the story. And so as we read through Mark, we'll notice, we'll pay attention to some of those things and some of the unique ways in which he tells his story. But one of the things we'll see about Mark is Mark doesn't waste any time, but jumps right into the story. And we're coming out of the Christmas season. In fact, we're actually still in the Christmas season. There are 12 days of Christmas beginning on December 25th, and so going through January 5th. And so we're on the 10th day of Christmas today. But the Christmas story, we often associate with things like the journey to Bethlehem, the angels and the shepherds, the census and Mary and Joseph, maybe the Magi bringing their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to Jesus. Mark doesn't do any of that, but he instead jumps right into the story. So let's do that right now. Let's begin in Mark chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were, went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And so we see Mark jumps right into the story. This first sentence, the beginning of the good news about Jesus. There's no long introduction, but instead he gets right to his point. But I want us to pay attention to that first, the beginning of the good news. And so what many of our translations, some of you may have in your translation, the beginning of the gospel. And 
So gospel is this older word, which we, means good news. The Greek word behind it is evangelion, which we get our word evangelism from. And so the beginning of the evangel, the good news, the gospel about Jesus. And so sometimes we think of the gospel as, we might think of it one as a book. So we have the gospel of Mark, and really it's the gospel according to Mark. It's the good news. Mark didn't sit down and say, I'm going to write a gospel. He said, I'm going to write a story about Jesus. I'm going to write a book, and that book is going to focus on the good news about Jesus. You see the word gospel, or back in the ancient days, the word evangelion, or that we translate as gospel or good news, was not a word that was unique to Christianity. It wasn't a word that the Christians created, but instead was a word that was common in the culture. It was a word used to talk about an announcement or a proclamation when someone would proclaim an event, an historical event, that the result of which the world was a different place. So Octavian, Augustus, when Octavian was born and there was this announcement of the birth of a new emperor or some great event, some great announcement, some great um, act that he had done, there would be an announcement of good news, of, of tidings of great joy that would be announced. And so the good news, and so good news or gospel or evangelion was used to say, here's this good news, this event, this thing that has taken place because of which or as a result of which the world is a different place. And so when Mark uses the word here and he says, this is the beginning of the good news, he's saying that something has happened, something has taken place. And in this case, that something is a person. And because of this person, the world has changed. And so he says, this is the beginning of understanding what that thing is, what has happened that makes the world a different place. What is this good news? What is the change that has taken place? And so he's saying, this is good news. This is great joy because now the world is a different and a much better place. And he's saying it's because of Jesus. And so one of the things that Mark wants us to see right away is that the good news is centered on Jesus. That we can't tell the good news of what God is doing in the world apart from Jesus. That Jesus is the source, He's the center, He's the one around whom all the good news revolves. And so that's what Mark introduces to us here. The beginning of the good news. And so the beginning might be this opening section, it might be the beginning, might be the whole Gospel of Mark. It's not entirely clear. But what Mark is wanting us to see in this opening sentence is that the good news is about Jesus. And so if we're going to ever tell people about the good news, if we do evangelism, which is good newsing people, is telling people the good news, it has to be about Jesus. Jesus has to be a part of that. So it's about the good news about Jesus, who's the Messiah, and Messiah is this Hebrew word, which in the New Testament is often translated as Christos or Christ, so about Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, and those words simply mean the anointed one, the one chosen by God to bring about his rescue. And so the story of the Bible begins on page one saying the world is a good place. If we were to go back and read Genesis 1, the first chapter, page one of the Bible, 
We talk about how God creates this good world. And then in page two, he talks about how God puts a man and a woman in there. They're to reign and to rule over the world. They're to be his representatives, his images, the way in which the rest of the world sees him. They're to tell the world about who he is. They're to serve under him and to serve as his representatives. But page three, chapter three of the book of Genesis tells how people have chosen their own way. They've chosen to go their own way. They've chosen instead of ruling under God to try and take the place of God, to choose for themselves what's right and what's wrong. And so as a result of that, this relationship with God, their relationship with others, their relationship with themselves, their relationship with the creation around them is broken. And the story of the Bible is God's plan of salvation, His rescue plan, His plan to redeem, to restore His creation, to make and to set all things right. And that's really the story of the Bible, is this process of how God is making the world new again. He created a world which was good, in which people were flourishing and they were fulfilling their purpose. And then because people chose their own way, things went off track. Things were no longer right because people sinned. They chose their own paths over God's path. And so the world was broken. And so the rest of the Bible is telling this story of salvation, the story of God's plan. And at the center of that plan is a Messiah. And here we're learning that this Messiah, this chosen one, this anointed one is Jesus. And so in just that first sentence, Marcus said, these things are beginning to come true. And he picks it up in the next sentence where he says, as it is written on Isaiah the prophet. And so what he's doing again is kind of saying, again here, Jesus is a part of this much bigger story. The prophets were God's spokespersons. They were the ones who spoke for God. They were the ones who announced to the people what God was going to do in the future. They were also had the role of speaking to the people and saying, you're not living out your role. You're not functioning right now as God's missionaries, as the representatives of God on earth. But they would also talk about how God, in the future, there would come this day. There would come a time, the day of the Lord, when God would set and make all things right. That on the last day, this was kind of the language that the prophets, like Isaiah would often use, on the last day, God would restore all things. They would talk about God's salvation. And so this is what Mark is doing here when he says, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, and he takes a quote from him here, I will send my messenger ahead of you. And if we were to go back and find that passage in the book of Isaiah, you would see that whole section is about this coming day, this coming time when God will make all things right. And so here's what Mark is saying. He's saying, God is making all things right. God is doing something amazing, and He's doing it in Jesus. The good news, the announcement, the proclamation of salvation, of God restoring all things, is coming true, and it's coming true in Jesus. And so that's just in the first couple of verses. Mark has given us all that. And then he goes on, and we think, oh, I want to hear more about this, Jesus. I want to hear more about this good news. But then the strange thing is in verse 4, It says, and so John the Baptist appeared. And you think, well, wait a minute. I don't understand. Mark has made this big announcement about 
the good news of what God is doing to make all things right. And it's this man, Jesus. And then it says, and so John appeared. But John is connected to that prophet Isaiah, what Isaiah has said about someone preparing the way, about announcing it. And so we see John come as one who is announcing, who is making the way ready for the coming of Jesus. He's preparing the people. And so it says, and so John appeared in the wilderness. And so wilderness is one of those words that has a load of meaning to it. I've used before in some of my messages uh, the, the idea of hyperlink, which I borrowed from some other scholars who kind of use that as a way to say, when we see that word wilderness, there's a lot more behind it. So if you're familiar with your computer, sometimes you see something and, and you click on that word or you double click on it, and it takes you to another place and it tells you this whole bigger story. And so if we were to click on the word wilderness, it would take us back to the earlier pages of the Bible, in particular, the book of Exodus. And the book of Exodus tells the story of God's people who are in slavery. That God has called a group of people to be His representatives, but they have found themselves in slavery, oppressed by the Pharaoh of Egypt. But then God sends Moses as a rescue, as a deliverer, to bring them out of that slavery. And God does a series of miracles. He brings them out of slavery, leads them, and finally in this great miracle where the waters of the Red Sea are parted, and then they come to the other side, and then they enter from that other side of the Red Sea into the wilderness. And so the word wilderness here calls back to the people, helps them imagine in their mind, draws this picture in their mind of all those events of Exodus, particularly all those events after they've been called out. So they go into the wilderness, and the wilderness is this symbol of now you are free, now you have been rescued, you have been redeemed from slavery in Egypt. So wilderness harkens back to, evokes an image of a new exodus. But in the wilderness is also the place where they meet God, where they go to the mountain of Sinai. And there on Sinai, God meets with them and says, again, I have brought you out of slavery and I will be your God and you will be my people. And he gives them a series of commandments. He enters into a covenant relationship with them, this formal relationship that tells what He will do and what He's asking them to do. And also in the wilderness is the place where they're shaped and learned to trust in who God is. And so right there when Mark says, and so John appeared in the wilderness, he's not simply saying this is what the region looked like. In fact, the Jordan River where John is baptizing really wouldn't be described as wilderness. But Mark is using the word wilderness to call attention to that bigger story. To say when we're talking about the good news of Jesus, to think back to the wilderness. And the wilderness is this picture of a new exodus, a new rescue, a new redemption. It's a picture of God entering into a relationship with His people. It's a, it's a place where they grow in their relationship with God, where they're tested and where they grow in their trust in who God is. And so the good news of Jesus and John coming into the wilderness is saying, this is what I'm introducing to you. And John is the messenger, the one that, in a sense, bridges that gap, that connection between that story of promises and the promise coming true. And so John is the bridge between those two, and he comes and he, he's baptizing the people. And the baptism is a way to prepare them, to get them ready. He's saying, the world is about to be a different place. 
God is about to break in and begin the process of making all things new. And you need to be ready for that. You need to be prepared for that. And one of the ways you prepare for that is to turn your life around. And so this word, he calls them to repent. And repentance is the process of turning their life around. Repent is to go and to change direction. And so John, as he enters on the scene and he calls them to repent, as he calls them to be baptized in the river. And again, the river Jordan is this great symbol. The Jordan was the river they crossed over when they entered into the land of promise. And so all these pictures, all these images are there. But John is calling them and saying, I need you to be ready because God is about to do something new. And then John brings a message. And even in his message, we see that everything that he's doing, we're introduced to John, but the focus isn't on John. The focus is on how John is pointing people to Jesus. He's calling them to repent. He's calling them to be ready for what God is doing about how God is making all things new. And then even as John begins his message, in verse 7 and following, it says, And this was his message. After me comes one who is more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so he starts off, he says, The one coming is more powerful than I am. Again, John is crafting a message, but the message isn't about himself. The message is about Jesus. And again, he's pointing to Jesus because what did we say earlier? The good news is about Jesus. That the center of the gospel, the center of the good news is Jesus. And so John is making the point here. He's pointing, he's saying, Jesus is the one who's more powerful. He says, Jesus, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And we don't need to know much about ancient Near Eastern culture to imagine that if someone is untying your sandals, that they're probably your servant. They're probably much lower down in social status. The king doesn't go and untie the sandals of the jester. The king doesn't go and untie the sandals of the servant, but people go and untie the sandals of someone who's the superior. And so when John is saying, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, he's saying, this is the difference between the two of us. And then he goes on and elaborates that difference even more when he talks about baptism. He says, well, I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And again, this is language that calls back to the Old Testament. For example, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 39, around verse 29, where God again is telling through the prophet Ezekiel of what he's going to do on the last day, the day of the Lord, this time when he is making all things right. And he talks about he's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's going to pour out his spirit on people. He's going to change their hearts. He's going to be doing all things new. And John's saying, I can take people down to the river. I can offer them water for baptism. But Jesus, he's going to offer the Spirit. And this offering of the Spirit is a sign, again, that God is beginning this process of restoring all things, of making all things right. And so Mark, in this opening chapter here, in just these first few verses, is this is what he's getting at. He jumps right into it. He says, I'm going to skip over all the stories about the manger 
and the angels and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph. And those are important parts of the story. But I want to really get to what I want to talk about. And what I want to talk about is Jesus and how Jesus is the good news. The good news that God is making all things right. And I want to get right to that. And I want to connect you to this big story of the Bible and how God's plan is always to make things right. And now it's coming true. And so we need to be ready for it. We need to be getting ready for it. And that's what Mark is doing here. And so as we go through the good news according to Mark, as we learn more about how Jesus is the good news over the coming 14 weeks, we're going to be coming back to this and saying, how is Jesus good news? And what is He introducing? How is the world a different place because of what Jesus has done? And so we're going to learn about how Jesus is the servant king and how He calls us to be a kingdom of servants. We're going to be learning about the focus on the way of the cross. We're going to be learning about this thing starting next week, the kingdom of God, that Jesus introduces us down in His first sermon. He says in verse 14, it says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. And here's that word again, the good news of God that the time has come, the kingdom of God has come. And so we're going to be learning about what's the good news and how does that relate to the kingdom of God? But for this week, we just want to remember that when we proclaim good news, that we're talking about Jesus. And so we proclaim that good news today, that God is doing a new thing, that the world is a different place, That when we celebrated on Christmas that Jesus was born, it wasn't just about a little baby and about, oh, that makes me feel so much better. And isn't it so sweet that there's a little baby? No, the story we're telling is this grand story of the Bible, that God has a plan to make all things new and to make all things right. And so we proclaim that good news, that that good news of salvation, that good news of the world being made right by God comes in Jesus. That the story of Jesus isn't that God broke His promises, but God broke into history. That the good news is that Jesus has come. Or to put it more simply, the good news is Jesus. And Jesus is good news. Amen.